Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Sean Smith. What Women Want 2017 is a new study of women's media consumption by Alabama-based consulting agency Allen Burns & Associates. It's been rolled out in a series of webinars over the last few weeks. The study involved 2,000 women radio listeners between 15 and 54 and is the latest in a series began by Burns in 2010 and profiles women's attitudes towards and usage of radio, online streaming, music, and other media, and quite frankly, it's fascinating. Prior to founding Alan Burns & Associates in 1985, Alan spent five and a half years as program director of ABC's WRQXQ107, helping that station grow from a two-share to the market to become Washington, D.C.'s dominant contemporary music station. Alan has been providing programming and marketing research to stations in over 100 markets, including Z100 New York, KISS in Los Angeles, WWMX in Baltimore, and KHMX in Houston, which he helped format and launch. Alan, welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast. Thanks, Sean. Why did you think that it was important to look more closely at the listening habits of women? Well, the, the first reason initially was that uh, as a consulting company, uh, most of our clients have been female-driven formats. Uh, we, we've worked more in top 40, hot AC and AC than, than any other formats, and those, those formats depend on women as the core of their listeners. And then, you know, the other reason is because women are the most desirable consumers for advertisers. You know, they... they spend the most discretionary uh, money. So to the extent that we wanted to not only find out some information uh, that would help us and our clients in programming and marketing, we wanted to also, uh, if we could, as a byproduct, help the industry. And if there was one group that I think we wanted to show the advertising industry how strong radio is, it would be women. Mm. There's been a constant drumbeat, hasn't there, in the media about the gradual erosion of, of listening and women listening and QM and TSL. But the more we look at it, there's a ton of good news, too, and a ton of opportunities. I imagine that's probably why you've included in the study women who don't listen to radio. How did you uh, come to that? Well, uh, first of all, you're absolutely right. Since 2011 and really starting before that, but we, we went back to 2011 for some numbers. Uh, since 2011 in the U.S. with with Nielsen, TSL for radio by by women 18 to 54 is down um, hour and 40 minutes or so, something like that. And um, weekly QM rating is down a couple of points, and AQH is down a point. So we wanted to find out if we could see what the reason why that is. Uh, by the way, one one piece of good news is is uh, at least uh, December Radar, which is a national report that, that Nielsen does, um, has shown the numbers look like they have stabilized over the last couple of years. So that's good news. Either either erosion has stopped, or if it's bad news, it just means it's slowed down or paused temporarily. So we wanted to 
get some information to find out, A, are we looking at stability now or are we looking just at a slower erosion? Um, and, and B, uh, for those people who say they're listening less and, and especially those who stop listening, uh, why is that? So, so we needed to include non-listeners so we could ask them why they're not listening and to, 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 to really accurately reflect, reflect how people think of radio, we had to include everybody, including novelists. Mm-hmm. What was your most interesting finding? The most interesting, I think the biggest surprise to me was the amount of headphone usage while listening to radio. It was, uh, it was huge. It, it mm-hmm. is huge. We see that basically half of all the women we talked to, and remember we talked to 2,000 women, mm-hmm. a large sample, Half of them use headphones or earbuds for at least some of their weekly radio time spent listening. And a, uh, a, a nice chunk, 15% of them, spend half or more of that time. Do you think that's because they carve out specials time for themselves? Is that how, how we end up with the headphones? Well, it's a number of things. You know, it's... Um, uh, if they're if if they're uh, if, you know if they're carpooling with people who are listening to a radio station they'd rather not listen to because they like a different station. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're out for a jog or a walk, uh, they're likely to put headphones on. Uh, if they're if they're working in a workplace where they can't have uh, they can't expose everybody else around them to what they're listening to, they use headphones. So there's there's lots of reasons for that. And, and this this really is the, the biggest finding to me, the biggest surprise. Um, we didn't find that people who said they were very likely to cooperate if they had if they were asked to participate in a rating study uh, were any different in their headphone usage from the average. But we did find uh, 142 people who have been in a rating survey before, either kept a diary or wore a meter. Those women were huge headphone users. Over 40% of them did half or more of their listening. So so the or more part becomes really important when you're talking about ratings participants. Mm. So the ratings, the current system's missing those who, who are listening by headphones simply because the people meter doesn't pick up pick up the headphone feed, right, and the, uh, the encoding. Yeah, Arbitron has a, a fix for that. The, the current fix that they're employing is they're, they, uh, they give uh, panelists uh, an adapter to plug into their meter, and they ask them to plug the adapter into the meter, and then if they're wearing headphones, plug the headphones into the adapter. And the widespread consensus, at least outside of Nielsen, and I think inside Nielsen, is that that's not working very well. If we use that as an indicator of what people want and don't want, they don't want to have to plug stuff in like one more adapter. So, you know, I, I don't think that it's working very well, and I don't think Nielsen thinks it's working very well. Is there a path that we can take as an industry uh, in the U.S. and, and maybe separately or, or, or together in Canada where we can, we can mount these uh, challenges? I think so, and I think it's, it's all about, as far as headphones go, it's all about pressuring uh, our rating services respectively to be transparent and to be focused on fixing the, the issue fast because we're losing millions and millions and millions of dollars every every day that it's, it's not fixed. It's all about the pressure on the rating companies. Okay. We've got our marching orders then. One other thing is that um, 
next radio does not solve the problem because right now uh, Nielsen doesn't necessarily use data from next radio, but next radio is, is part of a potential solution because if someone's listening uh, via next radio, whether they're wearing headphones or not, every listening event is captured. So it's a census and, uh, and it certainly includes headphones. So that's, that's one part of the possible answer. What was your most shocking finding? Most shocking. I, well, I think it's that, that number, um, headphone usage among actual former ratings panelists. is like that. You know, I looked at that and I said, oh, my God, this is the headline number from the study. Uh, I think it's a big, surprising number to everybody. Let's talk about uh, millennials for a minute. Um, you know, the big uh, sort of accepted uh, line is that uh, millennials don't like radio. Um, wh- what did you find out um, about that in particular, and uh, and also about women millennials? How you um, how you capture perceptions of millennials depends on which definition you use. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think the most common consensus right now would be about nineteen, maybe a little younger than that, up through about thirty four or so. And uh, when I look at 18 to 34s, um, I see love and affection and usage of radio that is is so high that it totally defies you know the occasional headline of millennials hate radio or don't use radio. Mm-hmm. One thing one thing that we we do see is that with teens especially and 15 to 24 year olds in general, uh, radio is still loved. The majority of them. For example, say they love their favorite radio station, and about 90-something percent of them say they at least like their favorite station a lot. Um, but we do see that with the youngest listeners, um, there is a little less affection for the medium or their favorite radio station, and a little less of a feeling mm-hmm. of connectedness to the medium and understanding uh, of them by their radio station. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a gap between perhaps the ages or the mindsets of the personalities versus the on-air personalities versus the the listeners, or is it a um, um, you know a gender gap? What do you think? I think it's more a uh, I think it's more an inside-outside perspective thing, uh-huh. um, and it is a is a sales-based demographic focus that keeps us from uh, paying maybe enough attention to what 15 to 24 is thinking like. One of the things that we see in this study is that in almost every way, radio looks and feels best to respondents between 25 and 44. And that's because this is is a study of contemporary music radio listeners. Mm -hmm. All these women cumed either either top 40 or some version of AC, whether it's hot or not AC. One of the survey findings was, uh, getting back to to, uh, women again, um, is that women have a deep connection to their favorite radio station. Can you talk a little bit about the female relationship with radio and, and how it's evolving versus streaming and other technologies? The evolution of the relationship is really about incorporating new technology into her life and and with all that new technology, how and why radio still works for her. Um, we're seeing, you know, techno- technically related things like her use of AM, FM radio station streams is growing, particularly at work. We see that the weekly usage of pure plays has basically reached saturation with consumers under 30 and pretty close to it with 30 to 45 year olds. 
but we're not seeing high TSL to pure plays uh, correlate with lower TSL to radio. We gave women a list of brands or devices and or in some cases people uh, and asked how well each of those items under they felt those 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 people or devices understood them or the people who designed the devices or ran the brand understood them. And in terms of the total vote radio edged out uh, women's significant other, which is, <laughs> I think, pretty wow. surprising. Pretty surprising. So more women feel their, their favorite radio station understand it than their significant other. I like to personify radio stations um, and, and radio programming sometimes because generally what works in interpersonal relationships works exactly the same way between a radio station and its listener. So, so personify a favorite radio station and then ask a woman which one of two people she connects best with. Is it her significant other uh, who sometimes generates dirty laundry and arguments and misunderstandings? Or will it be a good friend who she has fun with, who shares her values? She might say she connects more deeply on some levels with her significant other. But in terms of, hey, who do I want to hang out with makes me feel good and never gives me problems? It's that friend, and that's that's the radio station. I think by extension um, that a good friend, in order to really occupy an even a more um, meaningful place in that hierarchy, is the one who listens best, right? So um, Absolutely. I think that... Uh, as an industry, um, as we move past, you know, radio as a as a, a medium that transmits via transmitter, however it gets there, um, as as we kind of get to the point where that doesn't matter anymore, um, we ought to be be focusing on the part that's most important, which is that how we how we communicate with uh, the audience, and and especially in this case, women. Absolutely, absolutely. In Canada, we just launched the other day a radio player, the app, um, an app with more than 400 radio stations, uh, most of the broadcasting companies, including uh, the campus and college stations, the CBC and, uh, and, and private, uh, are now all on one app. It joins iHeartRadio, which is the Canadian version of the U.S. app, and uh, pretty much between those two apps, it's the entire industry. What do you see as the opportunity... Uh, with women with regard to these uh, aggregator apps that put the entire industry at the fingertips of, of women? It's mm, an excellent question. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's those kind of apps make it easier for people to listen to radio from a different market. And I think we, we see some of that usage. You know, I'm, uh, I've got a favorite radio station, and when I'm out of town, I can't listen to it. Oh, but no, I really can't because I've got, you know, I've got iHeart or I've got the radio app in Canada. Right. Uh, so there's there's that. Uh, there's also an opportunity for aggregate sales. You know, now you conceivably could consult the aggregate online audience of a whole lot of radio stations. That that might be a challenge, though, because at least in the U.S., the radio industry has never been known for working well collectively together. Mm. What we're seeing now is that, okay, you've got your app and uh, listeners across the country are downloading it. Now, all of a sudden, you have at your fingertips the KISS station in Vancouver, the KISS station in Toronto, the KISS station in Edmonton, the KISS station, you know, um, and, and you can take your pick of each one of these things. I think it becomes even more important now to be local and to be connected to women. Um, 
Uh, do you see that as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, as, as content migrates or adds online distribution to, uh, over the air, there just constantly be more and more and more options and a potential for greater and greater fragmentation. And the thing that can still bind people to one radio station is that personal connection. And that's, that's just going to be so key. What do you think about the ratio of women programmers to, uh, and managers to men at this point in time vis-a-vis uh, uh, hot AC and top 40? Uh, it's, it's really way out of whack. It mm-hmm. really is. You know, I, I talk to my client stations about that uh, very, very frequently because I, uh, you know, I'll find myself in a room sometimes with a group of people who are managing and programming and, and in charge of marketing and promoting a radio station and their radio stations dominant audience is female. And there will be four or five guys sitting in a room debating about what women would prefer to hear or how they feel or how mm-hmm. to, how to present something to them. And it's, and it's just, sometimes it's, it's like theater of the absurd a little bit. We're, we're still in the situation where most radio stations, uh, corporately or otherwise are owned by men. They're, they're managed by men. Mm-hmm. So a meeting of those people is, is pretty unlikely to come up with the, best idea or the best perspective to appeal to and understand women. That female perspective, the difference can be subtle sometimes, but it's really important. So Alan, in a nutshell, what is it that women want in 2017? Well, let's see, they want to be understood. And this is, by the way, the the, the number one reason women listen to, to their favorite radio stations. They, they want an avenue of escape and they just want their mood elevated. Sounds easy if we just go out and do it. It's translating from concept to practice, and that's that's where that's where guys like us need some help with women. Mm-hmm. You know, get, get the women involved in the process, and you'll be more successful. What do you think about the myth that's always been around that women don't like to hear other women on the radio? Is that for real? No, I don't think so. What I think may be true is, and probably true, is they don't like to hear just other women on the radio. Nobody, to my knowledge, has ever been able to make a an all-woman morning show work long-term in radio. But generally, women, you know, in, in some cases, they, they want to be cloistered with other women, you know, in a lingerie shower, a bridal shower, or something like that. Uh, but generally, they want to be part of the wider world. They want to be on an equal footing with with men, and they're interested in men's perspectives. You know, they're fascinated by men just as just as we're fascinated by them as alien creatures. Very well said, my friend. I really thank you for your thank service you. to the industry with this uh, study and and the work you've done over the years, and um, and for joining us today. Thanks, Alan. Well, thanks for the time, Sean. I appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Alan joined us today from the deep south of America. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.